I was a kid who loved Christmas. In many ways, I resonate with the words of Walter Wongeren, who in his short story, A Quiet Chamber Kept for Thee, describes Christmas Eve as it was for him and his siblings. Wongeren writes, We spent the major portion of the morning at the upstairs window, giggling, whispering, and waiting for the milkman to come. Tradition. My mother was glad to be shed of us on the day she ran crazy with preparations. I think we knew that then. But for our own part, we did truly want to see some evidence of how cold it was outside. It was important that Christmas Eve be cold. And it was the milkman's mare, you see, who presented us with evidence. So here came the mare, treading a hardened snow. The snow banked six feet on either side of the street, except at sidewalks and driveways. The snow was castles we would be kings of tomorrow. The snow collected on the mare. She shivered the flesh on her flanks, sending off small showers of snow. And so did we, shiver. Ah, cold. The air was a crystal bowl of cold. The day was perfectly right, and we could scarcely stand our excitement. Well, I had a sister, too, five years younger than I, and we were inseparable, especially at Christmas. And did we ever wait for Christmas to come? I remember hanging one of those old-style calendars on the wall, you know, back in the days when there were no digital calendars. We'd hang that calendar on the wall and each day mark off one more box with a big X as we slowly inched our way towards Christmas. It seemed an eternity to us then. But if the waiting seemed interminable, it was a delicious sort of waiting. Not the kind of waiting filled with anxiety about what might come at the end of the wait. No, this waiting was supercharged with expectation and longing. But I sometimes wonder if we've forgotten how to wait. When my sister and I waited, I'll be honest, we were mainly waiting for the excitement of Christmas morning with a tree and lights and, yes, the presents. But even then, in our young children's hearts, I'm convinced that there was something else growing. Though we might not have been able to articulate it, there was growing there a sense of wide-eyed anticipation of something bigger than us, something that was deeper and more enchanting than the best new toy we were hoping for. Tolkien called this otherness fairy, and C.S. Lewis took us there by way of Narnia. It's a land of wonder that exceeds all the ordinary of life around us. And in some ways, I would contend, it represents what all of us long for in one way or another. Now, before I get too far down that road, let me bring us back to the main point. In these podcasts, we've been considering why we do what we do in worship. As of last Sunday, we Christians are marking the time we call Advent, Observing the season of Advent is an old tradition in the church, dating as far back as the 5th century. It comprises the four Sundays prior to Christmas Day, and is most essentially a time of waiting. But here's what makes this time of waiting unique. During Advent, Christians wait on three levels. First, we reenact what it was like for God's people and his prophets to wait for the coming Messiah. Here's the prophet Isaiah speaking to God's people with words of encouragement. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, 
and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Or the prophet Malachi, with words that are recorded in the final book of the Old Testament, just before a long period of prophetic silence. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. By stepping into that world, we begin to imagine what it was like to long for the Messiah. But on a second level, during Advent, Christians look ahead to the promised second Advent of our Lord. Listen to the Apostle Peter. According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Or consider this wonderful hymn text of Charles Wesley. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain. Thousand, thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Alleluia, alleluia, God appears on earth to reign. So Advent is about Jesus coming, first in humility and lowliness in Bethlehem, but someday in power and great glory. But there ought to be a third level in our waiting. And perhaps, if we're honest with ourselves, it's this level that is too often lacking. It's the level of personal desire and longing. Phillips Brooks got at this personal desire when he wrote, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. 17th century German cleric Angelus Silesius put it this way, If Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times and not in thee thyself, then art thou lost eternally. So, are we waiting? I mean, really waiting. Not with impatience and frustration, but waiting as my sister and I did when we marked off those days on the calendar. Waiting with hope and anticipation, and yes, even excitement, as we expect Christ's second advent and new heavens and a new earth. I'm Greg Wheatley, and this has been The Day After Sunday.